The little prayer I said at the end there was, O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, is the prayer on the miraculous medal. And if you don't have one, I'd encourage you all to get one. Um, the miraculous medal, I, I was there um, a couple times I got to visit there. I'm not sure if I read it there or if somebody told me there, but um, and it was an explanation. I actually, I was there one time. I said, this is really true. He goes, yep, that's the story. Um, is when Our Lady was standing uh, and before Catherine Labore, St. Catherine Labore, and she had light rays coming from the rings on her fingers coming to the earth, and half of them didn't reach the earth. And so St. Catherine asked him, what are all those, what are those? He says, those are, first, the ones that came to the earth, those are the graces that come to you th- from my son through me. What are the rays that don't come to the earth? Those are all the graces no one has asked me for. So have a medal struck with this prayer. O Mary, conceit without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. <clears throat> and so say, to say that at least three times. And so I would say my own life, that's, it's, she always comes through. She always brings grace. Whatever struggle, trial that you're in, she always brings grace. And so Our Lady is, is one of those great helpers in, in our life that we oftentimes um, forget about sometimes. But um, she's always there for us. This talk is, uh, is called um, uh, the, freedom for the, the Battle for the Mind. It's basically what um, you heard uh, Ann Stevens talking about uh, on the CD. So it's a great little CD. There's only, I think it's, there's only wasn't any here, so you, but you can get those off the website from, from Unbound, uh, Heart of the Father Ministries. Continued freedom requires entering into battle where your freedom will be tested. <clears throat> where your freedom will be tested. You know, and that's something that we have to kind of, uh, we walk out and there's a certain grace that we've all received. Some may be, could be different than others, you know, that's okay. Um, but the reality is also we're going to go back in the world, the real world. And there's going to be tests again. There's going to be struggles and trials. There's going to be challenges for these, for these uh, freedom that, you may, that you've had. And, and that's really the, the staying free. Um, God loves you so much that his plan is bigger than just setting you free. You know, he will, he will make you a holy, victorious overcomer, but he, he gives the victor the right to sit with him on his throne. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, I will give the victor the right to sit with me on my throne as I myself won the f- victory and sit with my father on his throne. So there is that idea, you know, that the whole sense of our victory is in Christ, but with Christ, and we reign with him. Um, and there's a po- profound wonder about that. You share in the Lord's victory in your identity as a beloved son or daughter. You know, there's really the, the key thing <clears throat> that, that I can't stress enough is our identity, is who we are, you know, as beloved sons and daughters of God. You know, and that's something that, as uh, we, we've, we can, I've, I've said and others you've probably heard, um, it was something we, can, we have to struggle with sometimes, um, that is holding on to that. We know it up here, but it, it's hard to get it in here, that I really am a beloved son and daughter of God. Just as Satan tested Jesus' identity in the wilderness, so you have adversaries who want to rob you also. You know, uh, Saint G- or Jesus says in John 10, 10, a thief comes to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants a more abundant life for you. More abundant. Okay, not a more abundant struggles, but more abundant life. Revelation chapter 3, verse 11, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one may take your crown. Hold fast. So there is an insinuated effort there that we have to hold on to what, we, what we've been given. Neil says in page 54 of, the Unbound, of his Unbound book, he says, yes, 
just as uh, the idea that Satan tested Jesus' identity, you know, Neil said, yes, Satan has a plan for your life, but he needs your cooperation for it to succeed. God also has a plan for your life. Don't you long to see it fulfilled? If we have built our lives on the foundation of a lie, we need Jesus, the truth, to expose that lie. There's the key. <clears throat> and that's what we've been working on. You know, that the enemy wants us to live in a lie. Jesus wants to expose a lie. We need him to expose it for us. Um, but it is that sense of recognizing that there is a battle. You know, that's the first point. Is as, we, as we leave here and as we go into life, you know, we, we recognize that then, and Ann Stevens talked about that, that there is a battle. You know, there is a real battle that we go through. Um, so we go for, may, may go for a day, a week, a month, or, or, or a year. We kind of think it's going pretty good. But then there's always something comes up. And something happens to challenge that freedom, to challenge that, that real sense of who am I and who is God. And where is this, where am I at in my life, in my journey? And where is God at in my life? And where are these struggles, these trials that he is allowing me to experience? <clears throat> Knowing who the enemy is is very important also. Um, the enemy um, is is our brokenness, you know, our, our fallenness from original sin, um, and our weaknesses that we have to work with. You know, God, and I said at the very beginning talks. You know, God has allowed us all to have different weaknesses because He wants to meet us there. He wants to meet us there um, to be with us and to save us in our strong daily struggles. You know, and that's the point that we have to remember that our struggles and trials are places where God wants to walk with us. Or he wants to walk very closely with us. You know, that means we have to invite him into those places. You know, when we feel the pain of, of sadness and loneliness or hurt, you know, we say, Jesus, look at this. Look at this. And, and focus on feeling that reality as it is in your existence, your body, <clears throat> inviting him in to share your life. You know, to share your very experience of the struggle and the trial that you're going through. You know, that's a profound and, and, and really simple prayer. It almost sounds like it's too simple. It's actually hard because it's so simple. Um, but yet it is, it is that, that opening door for us. Where the battle is, you know, the battle um, is in our mind. Many times it starts there, as Anne talked about, <clears throat> is with our thoughts. <clears throat> the enemy works there um, to make many false lies and thoughts. And as you look at the, exam, the, uh, the uh, rules of discernment, you'll see how St. Ignatius Loyola points out it's oftentimes the thoughts that follow an experience. It's also the thoughts that are put into our head. The enemy works like that. <clears throat> knowing the weapons and tactics of your enemy, knowing that the battle could come at any time. Okay, spiritual tactics of the enemy. Um, evil spirits. I mean, there is, they, remember always, again, I can't say this enough times, that it's not just spirits, okay? The reality is our own brokenness, our own wounds, our own personality. All these things kind of work together. We've all got weaknesses. You know, we've been hurt in different places. And, and the entanglement idea that, that, the, that the spirits kind of work in those areas where we're hurt, you know? And they kind of get a foothold in our life sometimes. Even our personalities. You know, we can have gifts that we see as gifts, but at the same time, on the backside can be our wounds. Many times, Monsignor SF said that, you know, uh, on the backside of our wounds are our gifts. So many times our gifts and our wounds are very closely related, like two sides of a coin. And so sometimes we can see what our gifts really are. If all we see is our wounds, then look behind them to see what is that wound trying to keep us from experiencing is that our gift. You know, our gift. You know, and sometimes the enemy wants to focus on our wounds so that we don't see our gift. So we never use our gift. You know, and, and it's really a profound thought. And that was Father, uh, Father Monsignor Esef. Um, 
the tactics of the enemy. I'm going to, what I'm going to do here, mainly, is kind of give you something from a, a, a talk I received one time, one time by Jessica Navins. She's a Focus Spiritual Formation Director uh, for the Focus Missionaries um, for the, uh, the College Missionaries. And, and, and so she, gave, she had a great little talk, and I'm kind of going to give you a little excerpt of some of the things she talked about, which was, I thought, was very, very well done in this very area, the tactics of the enemy. You know, we often look at the anatomy of a wound. You know, a wound many times is, is we've been hurt, and we surround that wound with, uh, with uh, uh, a, a, a lies, you know, that nobody cares, no, or nobody, no, like Anne was talking about, or, or that I can, never be, I can never be any better, or I, I'm always a failure. And then, we, then we, we surround that with vows that protect those lies, protect, protecting that wound. You know, the vow may be, well, I'm never going to do this again, or I'm never going to try this, or I'm never going to talk to this person. You know, and those vows then are all that's meant to wrap around and protect the wound. You know, and so it's, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not a healthy thing. Um, but it is the reality of, of how we sometimes react to things. Um, uh, the enemy the, the sows seeds of fear into an individual. And fear is a big one out It's a big one out there. If we have, we're afraid of, 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 of rejection. We're afraid of so many different things. You know, and these are all ways in which hold us back from moving into, into the reality of Christ's freedom. Desolations, you know, our desolation, on, if you look on the, uh, on the, the worksheet, on the, uh, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the, for, the rules of, of discernment, <clears throat> it will tell you what desolation is. Uh, fourth, the fourth rule, a spirit of desolation. These two things are very important for us to actually get a hold of, understand what a consolation is, what a desolation is. Okay, I call desolation all the contrary of the third rule, such as darkness of soul, disturbance in it, movement to things low and earthly, the unquiet of different agitations and temptations, moving to one of confidence, lack of confidence, without hope, without love, when one finds oneself all lazy, tepid, sad, as if separated from his creator and Lord. Because as consolation is contra desolation in the same way, the thoughts that come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts that come from desolation. So maybe you want to read the consolation one right before it to kind of get a sense of the opposite again. But those that reality that <clears throat> it's looking at, we never make it, say nation say never make a decision in desolation, because the thoughts that come from those des- desolate times are not really the good thoughts. They're thoughts that are that are moved by um, the enemy's disturbance in our souls. So how does a so the person causes the person to believe lies about themselves and others, the spiritual attacks. And so many times what the enemy wants to do is he wants to break relationships, and he often puts in our minds lies about other people. They don't really care. They're doing this to me. They're doing that to me. Okay, and so that's how the enemy wants to break, separate us, to make us lonely and make us more, feel more vulnerable, is by putting these lies in our head that break us and separate us from the people around us. Maybe our family, maybe our spouse, maybe our coworkers, and so there's a game going on, and so it becomes just rarely stepping back and saying, "Wait, wait, this isn't my thought; these are not good thoughts," and we have to say no to them. <clears throat> so, how does the demon attack a human being? Well, demons have control, have the ability to control the physical. This doesn't mean <clears throat> this, that they slash our tires. This means they affect our brains, our brains. Okay, imagination, first place. Um, Place an imagination in the, in the uh, place an image in the imagination. You know the idea we can we can all remember something in our imagination. We can remember what our Christmas tree looked like during Christmas time. Okay, we can probably put that in our imagination right now. Well, just like that image can come in our imagination, so the evil spirits can put 
thoughts or imag- images in our imagination. You know? And so they can work like that. <clears throat> and so the person, you can see ourselves you know, uh, uh, you know, rallying off some kind of mean words back to somebody to, to tell them off. You know? Or we can see some, some immoral act um, happening. Um, in a sense, placing that, placing that as a seed in our minds. <clears throat> or then the good spirits can do it in a way of doing good things. So they both can work. Um, secondly is making associations. Um, the train of thoughts, the train of thought leads to one thing and then another, similar to daydreaming. So they can start us on a little train of thoughts. Click, 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 click. They start going down the track. And I go, oh my gosh, they end up over here. You know, and we may think that they're starting in a good way. You know, there's another way that they like to start this little, little continuation of thoughts, getting us moving, so to say, pushing us out of, in a direction and just letting us kind of keep, keep going. So that's another way. They, they work with our thoughts. They push our thoughts. And so we have to always kind of check our thoughts about what direction they're going. They can, come, they can affect our memory. You know, we can all call to mind past sins so that a person lives in shame. And that's what the accuser does. They can, bring, they can activate, in a certain sense, the memory or, or put their, say, hey, remember this? Remember this? You know, and it could be a, a, a sin in our, our past. Can make us feel terrible again, making us think that we're worthless, making things that we're, we're no good, or that God doesn't love us. Okay, so they can utilize even our memories. They can push on those to make us feel bad about ourselves and to re- and to feel rejected. So there's the game again, just realizing that it's not always you. Okay, and we have to realize that every thought that comes in our head isn't always come from us. That they can be kind of triggered. Um, by life, by pain, by hurt, but also by, by the enemy kind of just, oh, what about this little thought? We'll see what direction that goes. And starting the, starting the ball rolling. Okay, so that's, that's, that. that's there's the battle. There's where the virtues also come, into mind, come in our mind. You know, our virtue is controlling our thoughts, is thinking good things. You know, St. Paul talks about think only the things that are, that, are, that are good for others and good for us. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, call to mind, you know, the good things. Um, bring up past images, okay? So they, they can bring up images that kind of want to try and keep us enslaved to sin. The third place they can touch imagination, memory, then they can also uh, activate emotions, okay? Uh, the spirits, the evil spirits, are able to intensify emotions, okay? The, the spirits want you to feel discouraged. Discouragement is a spiritual attack that many people don't recognize or fight against. You know, the discouragement. You know, encouragement is from the Holy Spirit discouragement is always from the enemy spirit, you know? And so discouragement is what many of us fight with every day in some way, probably. Maybe it's hopefully not every day, but maybe it is. Um, but it may be. But that is always him trying to push us down, you know, discouragement. And so how do we turn from discouragement to encouragement? You know, it's by what, Saint, um, what, the, what the psalmist always says. What the psalmist reminds the, 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 the God's people, remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has done for you. All the time in the Psalms, you hear, remember what God has done. They recall all the events that God had been there for them, that God was helping them. And so that gives us hope. Memory, uh, hope is, is, memory is a seed of hope. And hope is what makes us, moves us forward in difficult times. It's a theological virtue, but it rests in memory. And that's woven together because remembering what God does for us gives us hope for the future. 
And so a very important part is, is that reality of, of remembering. Maybe we write those things down and we keep a journal of, of what God has done for us or his blessings or his graces. Because believe it or not, some of the great things that you may experience or even heard today or maybe the Holy Spirit touched in different ways, guess what? In a couple months, you probably won't remember them. Maybe, maybe even a couple of days, you know. Um, it may not last that long. Who knows, you know. But the reality is if you write them down, you may catch that little journal sometimes and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, well, look at the, Well, that was a great grace. That was a, yeah, I remember that now, you know. And so it's important to write down the good things, okay, the good things. Emotions, uh, yes. And so uh, they want us to feel, and so demons also project their own emotions toward us, towards you and others onto you. They hate you because you are a child of God, and they want you to feel hatred for yourself. So, uh, so they can they can activate really intense emotions about other people, but also onto us, so that we think them about someone. You know, they they hate someone, so they want us to hate them. You know, um, that can happen too. So they can and remember these are these are all the red flags. Remember the red flag raising these emotional responses that are out of order, that are too too extreme. Okay, intellectual powers. Okay, Jesus says that the truth will set you free. Truth is, when, is truth, truth is when what is in the mind conforms to reality. And that's a great one to kind of hold on to. You know, as old philosophical definition, truth is when the mind conforms to reality. You know, and we have a, a lot of things called relativism and rationalism in the world right now in which people can say, well, that may be your truth, but that's not my truth, you know, um, as if truth is completely subjective. You know, the reality of truth is real, you know. Um, even to the point um, people will say, is one plus one equal two? And they go, well, no, it doesn't have to be. It could be three. Be whatever you want it to be. I've heard that response. You know, um, literally, and they're convicted of it. No, it doesn't have to. It can be whatever you want it to be. You know, that's kind of a scary world. <laughs> we start getting to the point where, you know, objectivity completely becomes um, uh, without, found, basically just foundational, completely subjective. And so um, there's, again, um, they, can, they can also influence that. Um, moving forward, then, the intellect is what judges whether or not something is true. Sin darkens the intellect and weakens the will. A wounded, a wounded and sinful person's judgment is compromised, and they can't judge a thing that as it is. They don't see the truth. That is what demons attack and influence people to choose sin. So that reality that our intellect, because um, you know, this is the effect of original sin, and it's also effect of all sin, the more sin in someone's life, and maybe we know someone who's caught in very deep sin, and they just can't figure it out. You can talk sense to them, but they just can't absorb it. Okay? That's the darkness of sin that blocks the intellect from seeing truth. And it's not completely, but it darkens it. You know, that's the, the effect of sin is darkening the intellect. You know, so there's a real sense in which, and it weakens the will. So the sin causes this, this, just this overall just malaise of, of weakness coming to the intellect to see the truth, to the will to actually choose truth, and it's a struggle. You know, it's a struggle. There's where we need God. There's where Jesus Christ, there's where God helps us so powerfully. We need him. That's what it means to be saved now. When we're weighed down by the weaknesses of our will, by the weaknesses of our intellect, and we need, God, save me, help me, you know? There's we cry out to the one God um, who is power, who is almighty and all-loving. All you know, spirits, demons, evil spirits also cause confusion through faulty reasoning, okay? That's another one of the, uh, the rules you'll see on the nation, that they, they, they propose many, many false, um, false thoughts, you know, faulty reasoning. That's another way they work, that, oh, therefore they said this, therefore they mean this. 
or they said this and they did this, therefore this is what they really think. You know, and faulty reasoning. You know, there's a great way that they push that intellectual spin cycle. You know, it just kind of sounds spinning. You know, and there's a lot, um, of, lot of, tru- a lot of power, a lot of um, uh, struggle that comes from that. Spirits also cloud the judgment and compromise a person's intellectual clarity. So they make it hard to see things clearly. So that's where we always have to step back, where we get advice from someone. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a, a religious person. And we have to get advice. You know, we have to say, well, what do you think about this? You know, because sometimes we just don't see it clear. That's another thing that, that, that can happen also. They can also affect our perceptions. The principal effect of love is union. And, and the, the, the demons or the evil spirit's goal is to change the perception of those around you to cause disunity. I think that was a great line that Jessica brought out. You know, really, their, their goal is to change our perception of those people around us so that it brings disunity. And we can all experience that. This is part of family, you know. Making think of this person, maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's, a, it's somebody else. Um, and, and, and they want to bring disunity so they can twist our perceptions of them. They, they can't change your love for a person until they change your image, your perception of that person. It's a profound thought. You know, they want to destroy love, but before they can do that, they have to change how you see that person. So if they can make us look, think badly about someone, they can disintegrate the love. And they can wipe out the love. And so it's a, it's a real battle. And so there's where we go back to that basic truth of forgiveness, of understanding, of renouncing a spirit of judgment, a spirit of condemnation, a spirit of revenge. And that's where, that, that's where the tools come in. And there's a lot of them. You know, you've got five keys, but they've got a lot of attachments, okay? A whole list of spirits that you can attach on the keys and, and use them to hammer down judgment, to hammer down uh, hatred. And, and you can use them a lot of ways. And so it's a, it, it's a great toolbox. It's got lots of tools. A couple main ones, you've got a lot of attachments you can put on and use them for different things. So how do we engage in the spiritual warfare in our own lives and the lives of others? Well, ultimately, it's a life of holiness, it's a life of holiness, you know, a life of virtue, and that, that grows. You know, um, grace comes to us. Uh, remember uh, the, uh, the priest I had in, in seminary in college would say, in, in like chains, you take one, cha- you, get, you, take one, you accept one grace, and there's other ones linked to it, like chain links. And so you say no to that grace, and you miss all those extra ones that came. But another one, will, God willing, will come. So we say yes. So every time we say yes to a grace, another one comes, because God very gently draws us forward very gently, um, by one little grace at a time. We just keep saying yes to his grace. The sacraments, especially confession, you know, um, the, 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 just, just becoming honest before God, you know. And that's the great power of confession, you know. Confession is, is they said, um, uh, St. John Paul in 1984 wrote in Reconciliation and Penance, a document he wrote, and he quoted three other popes from the 20th century. He says, the greatest sin of the century is the loss of the sense of sin. The greatest sin is the loss of the sense of sin. That we just don't think we sin. And because we are, our conscience become numb to it, we just don't see it. So how can we do the battle if we can't even see the, the, the potholes? You know, um, we, can get, we can hit the potholes and we get knocked off the road. 
And so there's, there's a big part of that, just humility. You know, and I remember speaking to one person one time, and they just said that same thing. And so I invited them just to start coming every week. I think it probably took six or seven weeks. All of a sudden, it was like eureka moment. Oh, my goodness, now I see. It took weeks of going to confession without having, couldn't hardly think of any sins. And then it was just so, God is so, gra- so gentle. You know, he's so gentle. He just very gradually enlightens the heart. His grace is so gentle with us. You know, he doesn't go, see everything, bam, right that We like fall over dead and go, I can't handle all that. You know, but very gently he starts to open the heart. And so that's where it's not just a once a year thing, um, once a month thing. Even every two weeks is good. You know, the, if I always tell people, it says, you know, if the Pope John Paul II and, and most popes and Mother Teresa could go every week, what does that say about us? I mean, are, are we that much holier <laughs> that we don't need confession but once a year? <laughs> you know, they're going every week and we go like twice a year or something. You know, I'm going to wait his second. You know, this has got to just, re- just reflect upon that a little bit and go, wow, I got to go every day then. <laughs> you know, um, and, and so as, as a priest, I try to. I try to go at least every, if I go every week or two weeks um, is, 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 is a, a stretch. I don't like to. You know, I don't like to. But um, it's harder. I can't go to myself. <laughs> I have to find another priest to track him down. Um, so, so, so the sacrament, especially confession, avoid sin, especially self-reliance. Self-reliance. You know, trusting God is a spiritual weapon. Jesus said to St. Faustina, never trust in yourself, but abandon yourself totally to my will. You know, self-reliance is, is really a, uh, in, 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 the, in the, uh, the blue book, called the ministry guidebook, okay, um, Neil gives a tremendously powerful explanation of how that is one of the, just the, one of the biggest um, obstacles to growing in holiness. Self-reliance. I can do it myself. You know, I had a young man come for, when to be signed for baptism or, or be a baptism sponsor. And we kind of talked about that. He said, well, I just, I just thought I could always do it myself. You know, I need to do it. He grew up on a farm and he just had to do everything. So he didn't really need anybody else. And it's like, you know, that's kind of a lonely life. <laughs> and it's also kind of a sad life. When it comes to spiritually, you don't think you need God. Like, what do you need? But yet that was just, he admitted to it. This is kind of my mind. Self-reliance is like, that's who I am. You know, um, and, and we can get caught in that. Um, never trust in yourself, Jesus said. Um, what does it mean to trust in God, though? You know, and I'm going to add this in here because I just learned it maybe a couple months ago. It was a Father, um, uh, I think it was Father Walsh. Father, uh, he was on the Catholic, Catholic Answers Live. Was it Benedict Walsh? No, no, it was... Um, Oh, his last one was Walsh, I know. I think he's a, maybe a um, Norbertine or a Dominican. And, and he gave a little talk, and it was an hour-long story. Actually, the first, first five minutes were about trust and mercy. And it's just the most beautiful explanation of what it means to trust in God, what it means to trust. And I, for me, it was like, wow, it's light. Maybe just I finally got to the point I could understand it. But he talked about says trust, he said, is, is when we make the decision to give the responsibility to someone else to do something good that we need. The decision to, to give the responsibility to someone else to do something good that we need. That it make, to make the decision to give, to, someone, to give the responsibility to someone else to do the good that we need. I think that's what it was. But the point being is, that for me, it was like, oh my goodness, that's what it means to trust Jesus Jesus, I give this responsibility to you to take care of this. What a powerful, powerful thought.
Jesus, I give this responsibility for you. I trust you, Jesus, for this. And to actually engage in that, to make that decision. Things to avoid. I kind of bounced off the track there. Um, gossip, rumors, murmurs, inventing, you know. Um, the more we talk about it, the more it takes over our mind, okay. It just kind of becomes like a cancer, okay. So if we can shut down those negative thoughts and thinking and speaking about other people, it, it, shuts, it trains our mind not to think them. If we don't keep talking about them, we sooner or later stop thinking them also. So the virtue grows in controlling our tongue, and that backs up then in controlling our thoughts. So, by from the, so if we can stop our tongue from saying bad things, we can then pull back and it actually starts to decrease our likelihood of our thinking the bad things. So it's like letting the tongue wag in that way is like feeding the monster. <laughs> okay? It's like giving vent to those things. Like, it like allows the fire to stir up of our, of, our, of our gossip and of our judgment and of our complaining. Um, and so pulling back on that really helps train the mind. A big one to avoid is unforgiveness. You know, unforgiveness. You know, um, as we all know, that's the huge one. That's the big one that unlocks so much is being able to forgive someone and being able to, and you know, and we realize also, what did Jesus say to St. Peter? St. Peter says, can I forgive seven times? He says, no, Peter, not seven, but seven times, 70 times. You know, so there was a, a perfection in a totality, 10 times 7, and 7, another perfection. So the perfect perfection of, of, of 7 times 10 times 7, you know, um, so a lot, a whole bunch. And so but it means that we have to come back to it. We may have to forgive again, and that's okay. That's okay. That just shows we're growing in virtue. The more, do, more we do things, the easier it becomes to do it, the stronger we become. Strive for custody of the mind. I was just kind of talking about that. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. There's one to put on your, on your morning mirror or on your, make a little sign of it on your desk. You know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. No, so it's a command. Think about these things. So we should spend some time thinking about what is true. Maybe it's about our faith. Thinking about what is noble. Maybe it's something good and holy. Maybe it's a saint's life. Think about what is right. You know, think about the right things to do and how that brings goodness to our life. Think about what is pure. Thinking about pure things. Thinking about what is lovely. What is beautiful. You know, and allow our mind to, to ponder the beauty. Uh, what is admirable? You know, maybe it's the, the action of, uh, of, of, well, Kobe Bryant. You know, he went to Mass a couple hours before he died in a plane crash. You know, um, what an admirable thing to have received your Creator a few hours before you meet him. You know, what, a, what, a, what an admirable thing that was. You know, and, and for, to share about it, you know, to maintain his faith amongst all the fame and power and everything that was at his disposal. You know, he clung to his faith. He stuck with it. You know, that was a great example. Something admirable, you know, is that he clung to his faith. And he says, I'm, I don't have no perfect marriage. We struggle and we fight, you know, but, he, clung, but he, he, he stuck with it. You know, he asked a priest for advice when he was going through the difficult time that he had, you know. And so he, he clung to his faith, you know. Actually, actually it was Matt Lozano who, uh, on, someone sent me the, uh, off his Facebook, he was a classmate of Kobe Bryant in Philadelphia at the Catholic high school. He talked about his, the eighth grade, they were talking about philosophy and about his, his, his love for poetry, especially Italian poetry. 
You know, so um, there's a lot, of, a lot of depth to people. Sometimes we don't know because we don't know them. So we judge them. And so we don't realize what really is in people's hearts sometimes. We also then go to, to strive for, to reveal thoughts and temptations in confession. The enemy acts like a licentious lover and doesn't want his ad- advances revealed, saying, Ignatius. So that's a little quote in one of your Ignatius things, uh, uh, things there. So, um, you know, thoughts and temptations to reveal those. Bring them in the light, you know. As you bring things in the light, um, the enemy doesn't like that. Okay, renounce lies, fears, and negative emotions in the name of Jesus. So we can, we can attack things as soon as they come. You know, and that was a habit that I developed when I, for, for several years. You know, just whenever they came, I was just attack them re- immediately. Don't let them come in. And so stand up to the enemy. He will take flight. Um, you know, there, there's a powerful analogy that Ignatius was showing one of the, maybe the 13th or 14th one. But it's just like, you know, um, the enemy is also like um, someone who, who, who like, a, like a bully sometimes, I would say. You know, how do you stand up to bully? You push back against them. You know? You, you kick them in the stomach, you know, and they don't do it anymore. They run away, you know, and so that's the same way with the enemy is you treat them like a bully, is you punch them in the face first, and then they, they don't want to come back, you know, and then so that reality that they're just being a bully. Um, so how do you stand up to bully is how you stand up to the enemy also. Ask, uh, ask God to show you where you are weak. Pray for the virtue you need, you know, ask for what you need, uh, recognize what you need. The enemy examines our defenses and attacks us where we are weakest. Okay, so there's what we have to focus on. You know, just like a battle, when Ignatius, this all comes in St. Ignatius, those, those list of rules I gave you, that he basically looks for our weaknesses, and that's where he attacks. And so we have to then focus our energy like a, like a, like a builder. Okay, I've got to strengthen this area of my wall. I've got to strengthen this part of my wall. Okay, ask God to show you where you're weak and show us where I'm weak. You know, Lord, where's my weaknesses? Maybe I don't see them. Ask the Holy Spirit. Like I said, the Holy Spirit wants to protect you. He wants to tell you these things. We just have to ask the right questions so that he can give us the right answers. You know, so you don't ask, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get the answer. You know, ask, you shall receive. Seeking, you shall find. And so the same is, that's very true. Lord, what am I, maybe we don't want to know, but it's better to know than not to know. It's better to know and realize, see, that's humility, that's truth, and that becomes strength. In our weakness, remember, we become strong. Because then we realize, God, you've got to help me. Jesus, you've got to help me here. Because I don't have the strength for this. Don't be disturbed if a demon or a spirit or a temptation shows up again after you renounce it. This means that God is allowing you to fight this demon to grow in virtue because he wants to give you the crown of glory in heaven that will come from defeating this demon, this spirit. You can even ask God to make this, the spirit consider that it is causing your growing in holiness. <clears throat> you know, a friend of mine, a priest, who, who when he gets attempted or, or attacked by, by, by things like this, he says, I offer it for a person, um, for someone who is dying right now, somewhere in the world, whose soul would suffer eternal damnation without the grace conversion. You're going through a trial? Offer it for that. Maybe it's harassment. Maybe it's sadness. Maybe it's anger. You're going through a trial? Offer it for somebody who's dying right now and whose soul would be eternally damned without the grace of conversion. You think that spirit's going to keep pushing you? They don't want somebody saved. Bam, they back off almost instantly. Because they see that somebody's going to be saved, and they're going to lose a soul. That's a powerful part. That was Father, um, uh, he's up in New York, gave us a talk, gave us a retreat. Father, not Cameron. Haggerty, Father Dan, Don Haggerty. Father Don Haggerty. 
and he's a, he used to teach at seminaries. Actually, he gave, he gave us a priest retreat a couple of years ago. It was the first retreat, priest retreat he gave. He basically gave retreats for like 25 years only to missionary charity sisters around the world. So we were probably his little difficult cross for him because he had, he had to get retreats to saints all the time. When the battle comes, respond as a growing child of God. Refuse to be discouraged. Okay, this is, this is one that I have in double, extra large font and all bold letters. Um, so you may want to write this one down. Okay, I'm just forewarning you. I am not rejected by God because of what is happening. I am not rejected by God because of what is happening. I am not rejected by God because of what is happening. Often tests come through circumstances that provoke us. Often tests come through circumstances that provoke us. Then go back to A. I am not rejected by what is happening. I am not rejected by God because of what is happening. God will set you free again and again and again and again. He will set you free. Give yourself time to understand what God has done in your life. Remember. Write it down. Write down what God has done in your life. Remember your identity. You are a beloved son and daughter of God. Regardless of the circumstances, go back to that over and over again. Let that be the the nameplate for your soul. You may put it on the inside of your forehead so you can see it all the time. Remember your identity. You are a beloved son or daughter of God in all circumstances. God will not abandon you when trials come. That's a key point. He will not abandon you when trials come. Now, just as you remember teaching your children to walk, um, did you carry them until they could walk? Or did you let them fall down? Right. God does that to us too. He gets us going and he steps back. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Take another step. Take another step. You'll go stronger. You'll get stronger. Okay? So he's not, doesn't mean he's, he hasn't abandoned us, but he's loving us because he wants us to become who we're meant to be. People who can walk. Who can walk in life. Who can walk amongst the struggles. Who can walk amongst the trials. And who can conquer the world. Who can conquer the world through him. Know that your battle is fought in your heart, your mind, and your thoughts. Your heart, your mind, and your thoughts. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect and pleasing. Again, very much so, discerning, using the gift of the intellect that we've been given. This is the gift that defines us as human beings, intellect, memory, and free will. Okay, This makes us human in God's image. So God's saying, use the gifts I have given you. Discern. <clears throat> Do not conform. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Spirits are liars. Okay, Spirits are liars. And they come in the, in, into the house of our mind and sit down and make themselves at home. 
know, if we let them, if we let them. Soon they think it's their home, as we heard Ann Stevens talk about, putting their dirty boots on top of the table. Okay? Soon they think it's their home, and we think that they are part of the extended family. We let them in. They're sitting around our, our table of our heart, and we just think they've always been there, so we, that's okay. Maybe they don't talk all the time. Maybe they're silent sometimes, but they're still there. Your mind is the beginning point of vice and virtue. Fill your mind with the things of God and his kingdom and seek to have your mind transformed. Ephesians chapter 4, no longer live in the futility of your thinking. There is a clear connection between your mind and your desires. And your desires, they, they kind of move back and forth. Our mind moves our desires and our desires can move our mind. You know, and so, but we, what we want and we want in our heart is we want the heart of the Father. We want the desires of the Father's heart to be ours. As you are renewed in the spirit of your mind, you will learn to desire the things of God, the heart of the Father. But you can also ask the Father to give us, give you his desires, so that your desires are his desires. What a beautiful thought, that the Father's desires would be our desires. Because he, he wants to draw out of us what he is and who he is. So he wants to draw out of us his desires. So he wants to put into us. So many times, even underneath desires that are broken... There is oftentimes a desire for something good. We just have it distorted. You know, many times that's what happens. I gave one example about that. You know, the desires that are good. Um, there's a good desire. There's a good desire underneath even our bad desires. We just kind of get it distorted. And so we always want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us see what is the desire of the Father's heart in this struggle I have with these desires, in this struggle I have with this desire. You know, what's the good desire that's kind of back there that I just, I'm kind of mixed up about how to get to? Because if we can go back to that, then the bad desire goes away. Seek to have your mind transformed. As you're renewed in spirit, the Holy Spirit alone transforms our minds, um, but you can open and shut the door, the analogy of a house. So we can open that door and we can close it. God calls out your new self. By restoring your true identity. So that's what's happening. And it may happen like that, and it may happen over time. Either one's okay. God knows how we'll best work. He knows how our soul is in need. He knows what will best work with our soul. And so be at peace. If it doesn't happen right now, say, God, thank you what you're going to do. Thank you what you're doing. You know, I trust you. I trust you. You know, um, I remember one time walking in the Grand Canyon with my brother's family, and I had these big old shoes I bought in, in, in for basketball shoes, and they're kind of big, kind of lug, big openings in it, and I'm walking through somewhere, and I get this rock stuck in my shoe, and I crunch, 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 I have a big old rock stuck in my shoe. I pulled out this rock, and this rock was about that big, and it was literally shaped like the Grand Canyon. It had a big gouge in it, another one coming up, and I just go, you know, and, and many times when things happen in our life, we have to think that a little odd and a little different, you kind of go, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And I did. And it was like, he says, it was, it was just a sense that, you know, this, the work of your soul is like the work of the Grand Canyon. It's my work. I make it. I make it. You know, I make it. This is my work. You know, so your souls, your holiness is God's work. We just have to let him work and realize that he has a good intention for us. And he wants what's good for us. But the mystery of our life is yet to be revealed. And we'll only see that at the end time, the final judgment. But it's the work of God that we have to say yes to.
So it happens more quickly, the more quickly we learn to say yes. But at the same time, God still knows how it's going to work, and he can make it happen if we want to, if we want to. He won't do, he won't, you know, there's a quote by St. Saint Augustine says, the God who made you without you will not save you without you. The God who made you without you will not save you without you. We have to step in the battle. He's not going to drag us to heaven. He gives us free choice. We can walk away or we can follow. You are given an intimate experience of God, your Father, and his love through so many different things. And so it's a matter of saying yes and recognizing him. You know, asking the Holy Spirit, help me see the Father's love. Asking Jesus, let me, sh- give me, let, let me see your love. Show me your love. But by freeing you to, to live reflectively, 1 Peter 3.15 is one way that we experience um, our Father's love. Um, do not act in compliance with the desires of your, of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in every aspect of your conduct. And talked about this morning. We'll just kind of go over quickly again. Reflection is not the same as introspection, but as being aware of what has already arisen in the surface of your consciousness. Okay, reflection then is allowing ourselves to just kind of see what's floating on top. See what's rising up. Introspection, as she explained it, is digging into ourselves, looking for where would that happen? What, digging through our mind, digging through our memories, going looking for all the things that may have happened or, 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 or have caused problems or are problems. You know, and, and what she's saying is, no, just allow to come to the surface what the Holy Spirit brings up. When we ask those questions in the reflection journal, you know, it asks the questions, Lord, what, am I, what, what, are, what are the lies I'm holding on to? You know, that's asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it. So what he's going to do is shine a light on a memory, like a little flashlight. Oop, here's a memory. Here's something. And you go, okay, that's what, we, that's, what we, that's what we think about, recognize. We don't go digging through our life looking for it. You know, he'll bring it up to us. He'll raise it. We just have to be open to reflecting and actually saying, okay, what's going on? What's kind of rising up in my heart? There's, that's the reflection. Lack of reflection enables Satan to set up his schemes in our in your life. So if we're not kind of keeping aware of what's going on, he can start pushing in stuff that we don't even notice into our life. By exposing the strongholds in your life, recognize um, Satan's deception causing fatigue and confusion also. And talked about this morning also, you heard. Um, and you'll find freedom. So the idea that many times right. You know, the, the, the enemy doesn't play fair. You know, he likes to even make us tired and exhausted when we're doing something that could bring good, you know. Um, many times you talk about how Neil would have horrible back pains when he goes to a, give a conference or Janet would have these terrible migraines, you know. So there's, there's the enemy kind of working to inhibit us. But does Jesus allow it? Yeah, sometimes because he wants us to become stronger to fight against those things even. But also recognizing that the enemy be at hand where we have to renounce something and forgive someone perhaps um, to be set free. So there's that, that dual movement that God can allow it, but at the same time he wants us to become wise soldiers, so to say, and realize that we're in a battle. And so pull out the sword and cut off their, their hands, so to say. Cut off their, what, they're, what they're trying to drag us down by, you know, with your, with your five keys. So it's a real life, life, um, um, life a good toolbox. Um, when you're going through hell, don't stop. That was a song by Bob Carlyle, I think it was. And, you know, it's a great, great hymn. I, I don't want to sing it, but I 
But it's like, you know, I thought, what a great line. When you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. You know, it's a great little line. Keep, keep, keep that one on your, on your board. When you're going through hell, don't stop. That'd be a great bumper sticker. <laughs> when you're going through hell, don't stop. You know, keep going. Keep going. You know, um, it's better on the other side. Do you prefer darkness rather than humbling task of looking at ourselves? You know, do, what do we prefer? Just sit in darkness or do we look at, say, what's going on, Lord? What's going on in my life? Where, am I, where, have I, where have I dropped the ball? Where have I stopped following you? Where have I kind of pulled back? And, 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 and show me that, Lord. So again, as, as we talk, it's just this, this intimacy we have to start having with God is just talking to him, you know, as one, as a beloved, as our friend, as our Lord, as our Father, you know, and talking to him and just kind of conversing with our life about him. You know, he's there to guide us. Do you prefer blame others rather than recognize your part? Are there patterns that have been established over time, such as long habits or lies, you believe when, when vulnerable? You know, um, do we have to, sometimes we have to sit back and say, well, this is how I've always done this. Well, maybe that's because it's, maybe it's not the right way. You know, this is what I've always acted. This is what I've always lived. This is really my gift, but maybe it's my wound at the same time. You know, so kind of stepping back and looking for patterns in our life um, that may be influenced by something that's not so good and saying, Lord, show me the truth. Lord, show me the truth. And again, as toodles, always stop for a red flag waving, such as, a long, such as long-held patterns of disproportionate responses, often emotional. Half the battle is recognizing what's going on. Now, we may have examples of that, but I'm just going to give an, a, an abstract example. Um, hopefully, it probably doesn't relate to any of you, but I'll run into red flags in people on two situations that, that they explode, and, and that is things that our society, that, are, that many of our society have embraced and think that this is absolutely no problem, which I'm, I'm not quite so sure about. And that is yoga and Harry Potter. I bring that up and people, they explode. I mean, we're talking, it could be priests, it could be anybody. Like, oh, it's like I just uncorked a volcano by saying anything resistant there. You know, but at the same time, um, that, I always just notice that saying, wow, that's a very interesting response. Why would someone respond so vociferously if there wasn't something not good there? So just looking objectively, looking, that's a really intense response. And if that was just something that said, yeah, you know, that stretching, that, that, could be, that could be dangerous for your soul. Why don't you just do another stretching? Okay, I'll do some stretching. But why such a almost violent response sometimes? And I'm going, hmm. And just looking back and observing, saying, mm, maybe that says something. Maybe that says something. When something that could be false, could be bad, or actually, you know, as the church has said in many documents already, that is because of the Eastern meditation, and it's because it's linked to the yoke means yoking to a Hindu god. That's what it means. Yoking. Yoga means yoke, and it's to one of the gods. Anyway, another talk. Another time. Go on. Okay. But I just, I just, I just noted the observation, just observing emotional responses that become really intense, really intense. Give me a sign that something else might be going on. That's all. I'm, I'm trying to make that recognition. Okay. By providing powerful weapons. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For although we are in the flesh, we do not battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our battle are not of flesh, but are enormously powerful, capable of destroying fortresses, we destroy arguments and every pretension raising itself against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive in obedience to Christ 
And we are ready to punish every disobedience once your obedience is complete. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. You know, there's, there's the weapons that God has given us. This is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And that we have to at least acknowledge we're in a spiritual warfare. You know, we're in a, we're in a, real, a real war. And so I've always, uh, I've always wondered about, you know, um, even doing like what's called a, a tactical plan, like a, like a, a general would do for, a, for an army, you know, is, is setting the church up and looking at our life, so to say, as, 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 a, as a great fortress, so to say, and looking, where is the enemy battling against me? You know, where is the enemy winning? Where has he broken down my wall? You know, and saying, okay, I've got to apply more resources there, and I've got to apply more resources over here, and this is where I'm strong, so I, can, I need to keep that strong. You know, so thinking tactically about our life, of saying, where's the battle at? You know, where's, my, where's, he, where's the enemy attacking me? You know, where are my weaknesses? And I need to shore those up. So it's just the idea of just simply using that in, in, in an analogy way, but realizing that the battle is really spiritual. And so the weapons are from God. So it doesn't mean we have to rebuild the walls. It's God who is, we're asking him to help build the walls for us. You know, he's going to do it with us. Um, so that we grow in virtue and so that he can reward us. He can say, you know, at the end of time, you're the ones who kicked Satan's butt. And he can give you the crown. Because it's he who gave us the grace, the help, but it's we who did the work through his prompting, through his help. You know, so that he can give us the victory. You know, there's the great wonder of God. We're in the battle, but it's God who is our supplier. It's God who is our general. We're just, we're going to, but we're winning the battle. Because he wants to reward us. He wants to reward you. He wants to give you the crown of glory. Truth is the greatest weapon. Hold on to truth. Jesus is the truth who sets you free, and all truth will set you free. Truth is the knowledge that you are God's son and daughter, the ultimate truth, you know, that you are a beloved son and daughter of God. Daily prayer is something that's so powerful. Um, it includes listening to God. You know, journaling allows you to record what God brings up. Daily scripture readings. I gave you the Lexio Divina handout. Um, you know, those are great little things to start with. Give yourself five minutes. You know, give yourself 10 minutes if you can. 15 minutes, St. Teresa of Avila said, in one year's meditating 15 minutes every day, you won't notice yourself. You won't recognize yourself anymore. If you spend 15 minutes meditating on sacred scripture, your lives will change. That's what the saints tell us. And it does. It's powerful. Journaling, um, so sacraments, weekly, if possible, daily mass, bi-weekly or, most, or at most monthly confession, Adoration, blessed sacrament. Set yourself before the God. Let, let, let the salve of his love, healing love, draw out our pain and heal us. You know, silent for a half hour, you know, at, at least. Give yourself some silence every day. You know, in blessed sacrament presence, that's awesome. Rose you with meditation on the mysteries, okay? I gave that little handout that kind of gave the little extra phrases to kind of help that mystery enter into your life. Because sometimes we, we pray the rosary without thinking about the mystery. And so that little phrase is one way that's helped me actually think about the mystery, keep that in my life when I pray. Um, the three-legged stool, I like to call it. Become familiar with the nation rules. I hand that out to you. A great ongoing spiritual guide, Father Thomas Gallagher's books, uh, Discernment of the Spirits, and also then Constellation, Desolation. Um, two, two great, some great books that he has. Um, really clear on, on the whole discernment process of St. Ignatius and how this, the spiritual life that he gives. Ignatian spirituality has like a, a three-legged stool. Or I like it, it is, but also I kind of a three-legged stool, three things. Ignatian spirituality, unbound, and actually I recommend Be Healed by Bob, Dr. Bob Shooks. They really work together very powerfully. 
um, three special, uh, three tools, I think, that are, way in, that are bringing light through the sacraments and bringing light through the truth to church. But they're really a, a way that God is working right now in the world, I think. Um, they're very stable. They're very constant. They're very, very solid. Um, Ignatian spirituality has three parts. Become aware, understand, and act. And what I like about the Unbound Keys, it's a great way to act. We become aware of what's, what's going on. We understand it now. And then with the five keys, we can act. So it kind of fits right into Ignatian uh, spirituality. Um, Dr. Bob Schuch's, uh the book Be Healed, Transformed by the Sacraments, another great one that he has. Those are truly, in a sense, of really seeing God working and healing, um, wanting to heal us in, in powerful ways. Uh, even he has a great point that he makes. Um, he talks about the seven wounds um, from original sin. You know, things like shame, abandonment, um, powerlessness, um, confusion. And he says that the seven sacraments actually heal the seven wounds from original sin. And if you ever hear, listen to Al Crest on the radio, um, Catholic radio stations, Al Crest, he has the afternoon show, and he was, he had, he was interviewing, heard him interview Dr. Bob Shooks, and he, I never heard him be so profusive about a book on any show ever. He goes, wow, this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this before. This is amazing. He was just going all over the place. Because it was such a, it's such a profound thought. You know, the seven wounds that we all live with are healed with the sacramental life. You know, what a profound gift that God gives 2,000 years ahead of us, he begins healing us um, with the sacraments. Living the light, share honestly with others, small communities. Have others to pray with you. you know? It's so important for us to have people be with us. Um, the five keys. Speaking out loud is a very powerful way to spell. Yes? Um, uh, well, the uh, last one is called Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schuchs. S-C-H-U-C-H-T-S. Be Healed. And I think his other book is called Transformed by the Sacraments. Um, that's by Father Thomas Gallagher. And I think it's uh, Discernment of Spirits is one. Or maybe it's just Discernment. It's a purple one. And there's a, like a, a light green one um, that's called, I think, Constellation. Constellation. Gallagher, right. Father Thomas Gallagher. Um, they mm, not sure. They might be. I used to bring them, but I couldn't find them this time. <laughs> Uh, Father Timothy, uh, Father Tom, Timothy Gallagher, I think it is, or is it Thomas Gallagher? I think it's Timothy Gallagher. Yeah, there we go. Good, thank you, thank you. Uh, I think it's Timothy Gallagher. Yeah, okay, I I, I put it in wrong. Must have been a late night typing scenario or something. Okay, um, the five keys. Speaking out loud is a powerful way to dispel the lie. Often lies run through our mind like tape recorder. Okay. Now, I know there's some here that don't know what tape recorders are. Everybody know what tape recorders are? <laughs> some may not, okay? It's a recording device. It's, it's like, uh, like, your, like your iPhone recording, okay? Um, but, it, it's a, it's a, but it's a way of recording something. Um, and I know that maybe, like I said, I don't even know if I have them anymore. Um, but often lies run through our heart. And kind of repeating that same thing, you know, that's what he's talking, she's talking about. And we see them for what they really are. And we speak it out loud, you know. What a great, what a simple, practical thing. You know, it's trying to say them out loud. You know, the, if we hear lies going through our head, speak them out loud. You know, what, what, just a very simple um, 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 kind of practical thing to do. Sometimes faith is reminding ourselves of the truth. You know, I had a, uh, one, one Ignatian eight-day retreat, and the, the director says, no, he made that comment to me. He says, you know, struggling with faith. Sometimes faith is simply reminding us of the truth. What is the truth? The truth is that God loves us. The truth is that we are a beloved child of God, no matter what we feel like, no matter what we feel like. You know, 
um, that that's what the truth is. Sometimes faith is reminding ourselves of what the truth is, um, that he died for me, that he died for me, um, that he has given me his mother to lead me and guide me, that he has given me his Holy Spirit to enlighten me and to, to guide me to him. You know, the truth, the truth is so powerful, and it will set us free. But sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the truth. And faith is reminding ourselves, what is really true? What do I have to hold on to? You know, I was work with some person, one person who has a, a very, very difficult scrupulosity, you know, and you have to continually remind them, what's the truth? Is this, is this, is this God condemning you? Because God, God, God doesn't condemn us. You know, um, that's the enemy. Um, and so we remind us of the truth of who God is. You know, the armor of God. You know, we've gone over a long ways already, so I'm going to skip that because I, uh, I think she spoke about that at the, on the inside. Um, I'm just going to close with a couple things right here then. Um, dependence on God. Surrender and trust to God. Jesus, I trust in you. And I talked about trusting God, so I did that already. Um, Jesus' powers may manifest in our, in our weaknesses. For indeed, he was crucified out of weakness, but he lives by the power of God. So also we are weak in him. But toward you shall live in him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you're living in faith. Test yourselves. Do not, be, do not realize that Jesus Christ is in you. Is in you. Second Corinthians 13. Do not, do not realize that Christ is in you. Long-term victory and freedom, your eternal inheritance, require daily, moment-by-moment dependence on his help and his power to save. Um, I, have, I have given you authority, Luke chapter 10, to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. Page 137. There is always something familiar and deceptive about our enemies. We need to start be alert and watch. But it is, it is most important that we keep a view for the long run. We are building patterns of life that will protect and bring safety to us and our families. Unbound, page 137. Um, do you believe that there is a battle for your mind? What does it mean to stand firm? What helps you resist the devil? It's one of the, one of the questions that, that uh, he had. Um, only Jesus can. You know, back to the very beginning, um, that very simple little prayer we had. Only Jesus can. Vulnerability and trust in Jesus. Vulnerability says, I can't. Trust in Jesus says, only Jesus can. You know, I, I close with a little story. Um, I can't. You know, a little boy tries to carry a big bucket of water to the animals on the farm. He struggles and can't lift it high enough to, to not spill the water. In humiliation, he finally goes to his dad and admits in embarrassment and tears, Dad, I can't lift the water bucket. His dad smiles and says, sure you can. And they walk back over to the bucket by the hydrant. His dad says, give it a try. And as the little boy puts his hand on the handle, his dad grabs it also and lifts it with him. And they walk together to water the animals. It's kind of how God works with us. If not until we, it's not until we humbly admit our weakness, vulnerability, that our Heavenly Father can help us with his strength. And his strength is perfected in our weakness because he wants to use his strength only if we let him use it through us. Recognize the thoughts that are from him. Remember and realize that Christ dwells in me. Choose to live in freedom. Claim the Father's blessing. Remember, you are a beloved son, a beloved daughter of God. God is my loving Father, and I am his beloved son forever. So I'll invite the ladies first. Okay, just repeat after me. 
God is my loving Father. And I am his beloved daughter. Forever. One more time. God is my loving Father. And I am his beloved daughter. Forever. And men? God is my loving Father. And I am his beloved Son. Forever. One more time. God is my loving Father. And I am his beloved Son. Forever. Amen.